Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on How, Discovering God's Heart for His People. Let, let, let me ask you a question. If you've got gut level honest, you don't have to raise your hand. Maybe your spouse can elbow you when I ask the question. But how many of you would be honest enough to say, oh, man, I struggle with worry, stress, anxiety. Man, I just feel exhausted, weighed down, right? I mean, that, if we're not careful, I mean, we can just get so stranded and stuck at times. And, and then we sit around and we go, man, why do I struggle relaxing? I mean, most of us can't even spell relax. And then we start to contemplate it. We put our head on the pillow and we struggle with sleep. We struggle with rest. We struggle with coping. I mean, things happen in our life, and all of a sudden we gravitate toward food and alcohol and drugs and porn. And there, there's a grocery list of things that we just kind of cave into. And here, here would be a question Does your mind just have a tendency to drift toward the worst case scenario? Come on. Man, please. I don't listen to some of you. Now, you were given a gift when you walked in, a small representation of what I'm holding in my hand. Now, let, let me tell you this. Worry is a very, very interesting concept. The word worry, the literal definition means to divide the mind. And even James would say, do you not realize that a double-minded man is unstable in all that he does? But probably the strongest line definition of, of worry literally means to tie up. It means to knot up. It means to strangle. It is a form, worry is a form of incarceration and imprisonment. And there's so many people that stay beat down, even they claim Christ, but they're so occupied with worry. Now, worry will cripple your mind and cause you to live a life that's ineffective. Charles Spurgeon said, worry is interest paid on trouble even before it's due. Mm. Nobody knows all my trouble, brother. You knew how bad my life had been. And, and for some of us, we've been beat up, but we continue to empower the negative thoughts. And worry, in a, in a simple way, are the negative thoughts in which mental attempts are being made to try to avoid the danger and harm that's coming. It's all anticipated. It's all in the mind. But worry really is, it's like, okay, this is going to probably happen. And we get worked up. And when we get worked up, I want you to hear me. We get tied up. We get all knotted up. And we're not freed up. Do you hear me? So Jesus, in that great sermon, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And Matthew chapter 6, as we have it, a part of this great declaration and message, Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and these Jewish people, and some have really come to faith in Christ. Some have really placed their faith in him. And he stops and he goes, hey, no one can serve 
two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and money. For this reason I say, do not be worried about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what kind of clothing you're going to wear, what you're going to put on yourself. Is life not worth more than food, drink, and clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than birds? Who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? Do not worry saying what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, or what kind of clothing we're going to wear. Here it is, here it is, here it is. Verse 33, memorize it please. But seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. And he closes out by saying, so do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, the number one cause of worry and the number one cause of stress in our culture is all money-related. The majority of people in our culture, and I would be fair to say in most advanced cultures, the number one concern, worry, uh, thing that causes anxiety is all money-related. And it's funny that even some 2,000 years ago when Jesus is encouraging them to live a blessed life, if you will, that he contrasts God and wealth. So it appears to me that even 2,000 years ago, probably if you chase it all the way back to when God first created man, Mike, that man has always been preoccupied with the chase of money. Something inside of man has concluded that money is where he finds his uh, identity and security. I was reading this week that credit card debt hit a record high this year at more than $1 trillion, according to the Federal Reserve. Let that one sink in for a second. Credit card debt right now hit a record high of $1 trillion. So we're obtaining, we're buying into the American dream, which is really nothing more than a physical, emotional, and mental nightmare. But man, you got, you got to go out and get it while it's good. And so many people are in debt. Here's something interesting. Student loan debt has jumped over 150% over the last decade. My son's going to get a college education. Really? Or is he just going to get in debt? There's a tension there. We're drowning in debt, and very few people are saving anything. One out of every four Americans has put zero aside and has nothing for an emergency. So one out of four people probably sitting in this room, you don't even have a dime or a dollar set aside for when an emergency or a hard time comes. And I'm telling you right now, 
as a result, man, we get all knotted up. One of the other stressors, if you will, that's kind of big in our culture is relational turmoil. That's another one that kind of can weigh people down. Another one is physical health. And reality is crappy wealth usually leads to crappy health. And so it usually starts with not honoring uh, God and stewarding his resources very well. Another one uh, that's kind of high on the radar is work or school or some type of job-related uh, thing for a lot of people. And then the other one is the fear of death, and we covered that a few weeks ago. But there, there's so many things that the enemy would love for you to worry about. Worry is opposed to faith. At its fundamental core, worry opposes and is antagonistic against faith. Worry robs you of peace and physically wears you out. Worry does. Worry will make you sick as a dog. Worry will destroy you from the inside out. Here's the interesting thing as I pondered this whole concept of worry. Worry is actually doing the devil's job for him. When you worry, you're actually doing his job, the enemy, Satan. You're just doing his work for it. So worry is a sign that I don't trust God. And there's reasons behind it. I want to unpackage this Matthew text. And I just want to jog with you for a few moments. And I want, but I want you to consider this for your, own, uh, for your own health and for your own journey. Point number one would be this out of verse 24. Your focus will determine your freedom. Your focus is going to determine your freedom. Again, the Lord uses him and he uses money and wealth. And when he says you cannot serve God and wealth, the word serve means you cannot honor, you cannot worship, and you can't give your allegiance to both things. You're either going to give your allegiance to the Lord and what he has to say, or you're going to become so preoccupied with money concerns that you're going to give your energy there. When he says you're going to love one and hate the other. So when we focus our attention of allowing money to control us, what he's saying is you really do love money, but you really do hate God. No, I would never say that. Yes. Because he even uses a strong terminology. You're going to be devoted, which means steadfast allegiance to, or you're going to despise. You're empowering something. Your focus will determine your freedom. And freedom hinges on who or what I've empowered to give me definition of life. Whatever I'm empowering is my ultimate source to give me definition, that's going to drive me. And if my focus is on the Lord, and I've released it to the Lord, and I'm trusting the Lord, but when I have to hold on to it, he goes, it's not going to work. So when you, when you focus on not trusting God, that's an intentional focus. And when you focus on your wealth or your materialism or your money or you're constantly staring at your bank numbers, I can promise you this. This is what you're doing. You're tying yourself up. And, and you know one of the things I noticed, and this is so true, that every time I start to worry and stress and get overwhelmed with whatever, just like 
tying knots in this rope, it shortens the length of the rope. When you choose to worry, you're shortening the length of your life. And here's one of the other things. I just, I just want you to know this. And I'm trying to help you because we're going to talk about uh, winning over worry with some practical steps. But do you realize that when you choose to worry and you choose to live a stressed out life and you're constantly focusing your time, your energy, your resources on all the what ifs and you're getting weighed down, do you realize that you're creating and also causing a lot of collateral damage for those around you, including spouse and family members and others? And so a lot of times that we think we're just killing ourselves, but we're actually robbing those around us. So the, the question has to be asked, where is my focus? Where is my allegiance? And what am I running to to try to find love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, whatever? Where am I going to find my identity? I'm running, and I've got to run to the cross. Once you start to empower worry, I'm telling you right now, it's going to drive you crazy. Here's the second principle, verse 25 and 26. Who you belong to determines how you're cared for. Who you belong to will determine how you're cared for. It is a principle that you cannot run from. Whose you are determines what you have. And so when God says, uh, I am the author and the perfecter and the finisher of faith. I own the cattle of a thousand hills. Everything belongs to me. When I choose to trust that God, everything that God has, I become a recipient of. Do, do you understand that? Who you belong to determines what you have. I told the story years ago about the three kids that would walk home from school every day, and they would pass a certain toy store. And as they would walk by, they would glance inside, and they would look at all the toys. Well, one day while they were walking home from school, the owner of the store walks out, and he's standing at the door, and he looks at the kids, and he says, y'all come in. He goes, anything inside the store you can have. And so the kids are like anything, and he goes, anything. The first little dude, he's walking up and down the aisle, and all of a sudden he sees this basketball, and he tells the owner, I want that basketball. He goes, that's what you want. He goes, yes, sir, that's what I want. He hands him the ball. He dribbles the ball out the door, down the sidewalk. He goes, it's yours. Next little girl, he goes, anything in the store you can have. What do you want? She goes, oh, I, I want that Barbie. He reaches up and takes the Barbie off the shelf, hands it. She cuddles it. She walks out the door. He looks at the next little guy, and he goes, anything in the store, anything you can have, what do you want? And the kid is looking around, and he pauses, and he says, what, what, what do I want? Yeah, what do you want? He goes, I want you. And the owner goes, you want me? You can have any toy in the store. Why do you want me? And the little boy said, because if I have you, I have everything the store has. <laughs> and I think oftentimes we worry because we want a, a few things that the owner of the store has, but we don't want the owner. And God is saying, would you please trust me? I, I, I want to bless you. I want to extend who I am to you. I was talking to a friend this week. And he was just talking about some of the struggles of trusting God. And here's one of the fallacies. I promise you it's a fallacy. It's like, hey, I'm just struggling with trusting God in this area. Well, just eliminate this area. 
Because as soon as you can justify this area, you will justify another area. So really the, the tension is not struggling to trust God in this area. It's struggling to trust God. So I was sharing with him. Is he, he's been struggling through it. And I said, do you realize even when it comes to God saying, hey, tithe, come to me. Honor me with your wealth and see if I want to open up the floodgates of heaven. This represents God. God is saying, I want to bless you. But when you come to God and you say, I don't trust you, you close the hand of God toward you. But once you say, God, I'm going to trust you, you release the hand of God to work in your favor. I'm not saying you give 10, you get 100. I'm not into all this health, wealth, and prosperity nonsense. But what I'm saying is this. When we lean in and start to trust God and we're really depending on God, we free the hand of God. And there's a lot of us that are living locked up. And we're not exp uh, experiencing the heart of God. And so he says in verse 25, do not worry about your life. Why? Because here's the secret. Why worry about your life when it's not your life? The very breath you have is a gift from God. Your life doesn't really belong to you. It belongs to the giver. And one day he's going to say, give me back my breath. And so he says, don't worry about your life because it doesn't belong to you anyway is what is being implied. Now, here, here's something crazy. It's crazy to me. Worry, if you start to break it down, it is a form of practical atheism. Th think about it. An atheist would say, there is no God. Worry, Matt, is a form of practical atheism because what it says is there is no God to deal with my issue. Or if even if there is a God to deal with it, he really doesn't know, doesn't care, and he's not going to do anything about it. So we would never say that we're atheists toward God. But when we choose to worry and get occupied with whatever it is, we're telling God he's not faithful, he's not dependable, he's not trustworthy. It is a form of practical atheism. And I'm like, wow, Lord, we would never say that, but we're doing that. So worry in its simplest form, Mike, it is, it's an assault and slander against the character of God. We're telling God your character is not dependable. You're not faithful. I'm not going to trust you. I've got to be in control. I'm, I'm going to do it my way. And as a result, we go through life and we're just, oh, knotted up. Man, how are you doing? I'm all right. No, are you trusting God? Are you honoring God? Are you depending on God? And we've got all these excuses on why we don't. Jesus declared, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to provide for you. And then Jesus says, hey, I'm faithful. Hey, look at the birds. Hey, hey, hey do, the, do the birds, do, do, do they go out and, and like stress and worry and trip out over where their next menu uh, and meal is coming from? Hey, look at the birds. They eat worms and insects. Guess who provided and created worms and insects? I did. Look at the birds. Just, just look at the birds. You, you, you want to talk about just free, God-given entertainment that would stretch your faith? He goes, look at the birds. So yesterday, I didn't do this funeral yesterday at like 2 o'clock. But I walked out yesterday morning and was sitting in my driveway. And I was like, wow. 
I think I'm just going to sit here for a while and look at the birds. And so I did. I started looking at these birds flying around, and all of a sudden this magnolia tree we have in our backyard in the corner, all the leaves have been blown off. And I was sitting there, and there's this blue jay flies in, and I'm like, oh, he's got a nest. And he chilled there for a few minutes, and then he took off flapping, and all of a sudden I'm like, he's diving down. He's getting some food. He must have some babies up there. She, and all of a sudden it flies back, and it sits in the nest. And I'm like, look at the birds. can't believe that deer got hit. Look at all that roll kill. Now look at the birds. God is providing meat for the birds. There, there's birds around that. They might be buzzards, but they got something to eat. Look, God's taking care of them. And, and, and I'm telling you right now, nature cries and speaks to us. And look at the lilies of the field. Do they toil? No. And, and Worry is assuming a responsibility that doesn't belong to you. <laughs> when I worry, I'm assuming a responsibility. And the difference between a worry and a concern, a, a worried person sees a problem. A concerned person seeks a solution. You, you see, when we're worried, we're just focusing on problems. And a concern becomes a worry when we fail to relate the situation that confronts us with the source of our sufficiency. I'm just concerned about it. No, you're worried because you're not relating what you're facing to the source of your sufficiency. You're trying to let that be on your plate. And my buddy Jim Sherrill and I, we talked about this years ago, but I think it's so true that worry gives a small thing a big shadow. I mean, it's just so little. It's not that big, but when we focus on it instead of God. Now, here, here's another thought. Worry is an enemy of contentment. Worry is a thief. Worry will steal your time, steal your money, steal your resources, steal your joy. Worry drains and depletes. He says, who of you? Which, which one of you sitting out there by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Who, who can expand, extend, and increase their life by worrying? Who, who by being knotted up? Who, who, who's going to live longer and live stronger? Any, anybody out there? So here's some of the stuff like stats. 40% of the things that we worry about will never happen. 40%. 30% of the things that we worry about are things of the past and we can't change. 12% is about criticism coming from other people and most of that's untrue. So I'm already at 82% of what most people worry about. Hey, it's in my past. That happened. I'm not going to be a slave to it, but I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to allow God to use that junk of my yesterday to develop me into the future. 10% is about health, which gets worse with worry and stress. I'm just so concerned about my health. Well, the more you worry and stress about it, the sicker you're going to become, and I'll deal with that here in a bit. 8% is about real problems. And if you trusted God, he'd show you he's faithful to carry you through it anyway. 
So if you look at like medical journals and different things, if you're into wellness and health, it's amazing that worry and stress lead to so many health problems. We read this book years ago called None of These Diseases and what contributes so much to disease and and, uh, issues within the body. Stress, it disrupts nearly every system in your body. Think about this. Stress raises your blood pressure and increases your risk of heart attack. Stress suppresses the immune system. That's a huge one right there. Oh, man. And when I'm worried and occupied with all this other stuff, I've had people that they get sick all the time. It's because you're not trusting God. You tell me how you're sick, how you got sick, why you're staying sick, but when I listen to you, all you do is gripe and complain. Jeez. You want me to hear why you're sick? I'm telling you why you're sick. Your immune system is suppressed. You don't trust God. You worry and you love being in control. Well, I'm not going back to that church. Praise the Lord. Tell somebody else your drama. No. But that's where we live. People do that, Kara. They just want to complain about how sick they are. But you ask them, are you trusting God and honoring God? And are you dependent on the Lord? And they've got a buttload of excuses on why they're not and all hell breaks loose and it's like are you trusting God no no I would rather live knotted up oh Lord help me heart disease digestive problems sleep problems depression obesity we see it so much and worry is so incompatible with faith. You know what you can do? I'm going to hit this in the end. But one of the great things we can do, John, I promise you we can do this. You can break out your little notebook, and you can get a pen, and you can wake up in the morning, and you, you can go, you know what? I'm going to write down two things that I'm thankful for. I'm telling you, you can do this. This is romper room. Mr. Rogers taught this kind of stuff. I promise you. Hey, I am thankful for this, and I'm thankful for. And and as you go through the day when something crazy is happening, just stop and just go back to what you're thankful for. Because the enemy is going to tell you that you really shouldn't be thankful and all all hell's breaking loose, and you you ought to be worried and stressed out. And the Father's going to say, no. Lift up your eyes to the hills where your strength comes from. I am the Lord. I want to bless you and take care of you. Oh, you don't have to have a, you don't have to have stinking thinking. That's one of the things of Zig Ziglar when I first got saved. I was listening to Zig and he goes, man, you got to get a checkup from the neck up and eliminate stinking thinking. I was like, yes. I'm like, man, I like that. Let me rhyme time with you, brother. Quit pouting and doubting and moaning and groaning and start grinning and winning, man. You got to believe and receive, brother. Step into it, man, and quit the negative thought process. I was like, praise the Lord. Every time I started doing that, I started untying knots. Started untying them. So, verse 31. Worry is a sign of not knowing God or not trusting God. He goes, do you not realize your Father in heaven knows exactly what you need? If he really is your father, 
And if your focus determines your freedom, and if whose you are determines what you have, would you please just press in and let the Lord lead you? And God goes, I, I want to lead you. And, and one of the things that's really, like, really helped me over the years, and you've heard me say this, but it's true, a person who worries will constantly tell God how big their problems are. But a person who's walking in faith and freedom will tell their problems how big their God is. And every day as you walk through life, Mike, I'm telling you right now, brother, you can hear it. Oh, why so downcast on my soul? You're telling God how big your problems are. Your focus is determining you have no freedom. But when you're able to tell your problems how big your God is, oh, my God is so big and so strong and so powerful. He'll never allow the righteous to be forsaken. Here's where I would go in closing. Trust God, period. That's verse 33. But, he uses the word but there. Hey, but... Instead of worrying, instead of stressing, hey, check out the birds, look, look, but, but, but instead of doing all that stuff where you're worried, why don't you seek first his kingdom? Why don't you seek first his righteousness? And all these other things are going to be added to you. As I said last week, why, why don't you learn to just delight in the Lord and let that be the, the core of who you are, the joy of the Lord? And then why don't you learn just to dedicate all this other stuff unto the Lord? Just come in and say, hey, I trust you with it. And then why don't you just depend on the Lord, meaning abiding in Christ and just saying, I'm resting and chilling. God's going to see me through it. Come on, Rick. That's where we got to live, brother. I got to delight. I got to just dedicate it, and then I'm going to depend. So maybe you go, man, that's me. I'm all jacked up. I'm all tied up. I trust God. Trust the Lord. And then he closes by saying, hey, just, just focus on one day at a time. Let's say he closes that out. He goes, uh, do not worry about tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow will trip you out if you already are starting to live in tomorrow. Each day's got enough trouble. Live today. And I, I remember I was sitting there years ago, and I wrote this. And I, I was sharing this with Jesse and, and Kelsey this week. And I thought, man, I, I've got to include this, Kelsey. But I wrote this. The past is history. The future is a mystery. All I have is the present moment of the now. With shame-filled yesterdays, and fear-crippling tomorrows, I will choose to focus on the present now. Who I was and what I did competes with who I am and where I'm going. I will live in the present now. What the future holds no longer controls me. Who holds the future now consumes me, I will celebrate the present now. And if you're going to win over worry, you got to start living in the moment of the now and trusting God right now. Now, here's practical steps, and I wrap it. 
practical steps to win over worry. One, realize, oh, this is so hard for some of y'all. Realize you're not in control. Oh, that's so hard for some of you. Oh, the only way you can win over worry is to accept the fact that most things around you, you can't control. When I do that, oh, Lord, I'm starting to win over worry. I'm getting untangled. I got to let that go. A second thing would be this. Bible reading, Bible meditation, scripture memory, listening to worship, journaling your thoughts. Oh, that will change your perspective. I'm telling you, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Holy Spirit says, I want to give you the freedom and peace to think about pure and right and holy and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy things. And even 2 Corinthians, he says, do you not realize through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can take every thought captive and capture it to the obedience of Christ? You, you ain't got to let every plane land that flies your way. And we are so committed to see your spiritual growth. And we're so committed to invest in spiritual maturation with you. I mean, when we talk about being a discipleship-oriented, we want to see you flourish in your faith. Oh, let me tell you, like, we're going to have an incredible uh, finish to the year. But when we pull the throttle back in 2020 and we start January 5, we're going to go through the Gospel of John and we're going to take a chapter a week and we're going to challenge you to break it down and we're going to do everything we can to get all the meat off the bones when we go through the Gospel of John. And we're going to disciple you on how to get deeper into the Word and allow the Word to get deeper in you. So starting January 5th, that morning, we're taking John chapter 1. We're pulling the throttle back. We're going wheels up. See, I want you to make that journey. And we're so committed to your growth and wanting to see you be fully alive in Christ that January 5th, that night, probably around 5, 530, Mac Powell, my buddy of third day, Mac's coming over. And we're going to do a night of worship and resolve to pull the throttle back to kick off the year. So Kerrigan, yes, you'll be there with me, baby girl, because Kerrigan, she wants to meet my buddy Mac. But we're, we're committed to see you worship. We're committed to see you in the Word. Come on. We're committed to see you grow. And you've got to want it. All right, so we're, we're committed to that. Uh, Again, like I said, write down a couple things every day you're thankful for and focus on it. Here's another one, Dean Thompson. Do one thing at a time and quit multitasking, brother. There's so many people that burn out and get so exhausted at times. I just happen to look at my boy. But I'm like, man, when we start multitasking and we've got so many irons in the fire and we got so many plates spinning, I'll never forget when the iPhone first came out. And you say, you remember when the fax machine came out. I do. I remember when the computer came out. Remember when color TV came out. Y'all stop it. I've had enough of your criticism toward me, but here's the point. But I remember when I got the first iPhone, and I was like, man, this battery's terrible. And I took it into the store, and the guy goes, hey, man, stop. The battery's all right. You just got way too many apps running in the background. Man, you've got way too much stuff going on. You need to get rid of it. And it'll free the battery up. And that's some of y'all. 
Man, I've given you three word pictures, birds, rope, and an iPhone today. And you ought to be able to look at the, the iPhone and go, oh, I got to hex out of some of those apps. It's draining my battery. Quit multitasking. Do one thing at a time. I'm about to land this plane. Relax. Refresh. Carve out some time for yourself. You want to do something? Start working out. Sweat a little bit. Listen, I'm telling you right now, Georgia's offense sucks. Go for a walk. You don't have to watch it on Saturday afternoon. I can't handle watching that. They won, but I, I'm sitting there going, do something. I'd rather, I would personally rather watch four minutes of highlight on Sports Center than to painfully sit there and watch that. Go for a walk, brother. Man, you need to get your mind on something else. You need to go energize. You need to go work out. You can do that. That will eliminate stress. Some of y'all were worked up watching that yesterday. Man, you thought you were cruising until the fourth quarter. Oh, my God. Man, they let off the gas. No, they never got on the gas. Watch the game. When you've got 118, oh, let's get back. All right, so here's the deal. This is huge right here. I'm trying to help you learn to say, come on, Dimmer. Come on, Hazel. You've got to learn to tell people, no. Everybody's idea is not your assignment. And some of us are so weighed down. Man, let me tell you what you should do. Well, God hasn't given me permission to should on anybody. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I'm going to tell you what you should do and shouldn't do. Learn to say no. Hey, man, I got a great opportunity for you. No, chase it, bro. Not interested. Let go of anger. Some of you walk in the day, you're so beat up with anger, and you're mad, you're bitter. Incorporate some humor. This is good, being able to laugh a little bit right now. You're like, even some of you, your body language and shoulders shifted. And Jesse, man, we watch so much junk as far as humorous videos, and we sat there last night laughing at stuff. But humor is good for us. And then let me, let me tell you this in closing. Identify the stressors. What are the things that create stress? And if watching news stresses you out, turn it off. It's fake Anyway, watch cartoons. Do something different. You don't trust it anyway, so why get all worked up no matter what network you're on? Turn it off. If being in traffic freaks you out, leave early or find some other routes with some nature and beauty. I hate getting stuck in traffic. Then go a different direction. You got some toxic relationships? Oh, unplug and take a vacation from it for a while. Man, I need a breather. You want to win over worry? It all is going to come back to 633. You're going to have to seek first his kingdom. You're going to have to seek first his righteousness. And you're going to have to press into trusting God. Because again, worry is a form of practical atheism. And it honestly tells God... Ooh, I don't trust you. I trust me. Amanda, I like calling the shots, God. And God is like, I had a rope. I was looking for it. I threw it. But it will cause you to be knotted up. Don't you want to be free today? Don't you, you really want to live a life that's freed up? 
where the Holy Spirit's got room to move in you. Message today, we hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series. So you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.